If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we welcome back the king of dad memes, Doug Bonaparte. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% is a f***ing killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. Q knows so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Ibex? It's going up a shit ton now. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4 fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, fuck, man. I just got dick whipped for like 20%. And now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity It Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny and Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Hey guys, uh, we are on a break right now. We are, you know, traveling or in Reno. Uh, We will be back around the 9th of September. However, we still recorded a podcast for you. Make sure to like us and give us a five-star rating on Apple. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is whatever day we drop it. And we have on Doug Bonaparte. How are you? Hey guys, great to be back. Dude, it's been a while, I feel like. It's been a little while. There's now double the amount of episodes of PGIR, I think. Wow, has it been that long? It- I think so. I, I was in the tw- Yeah, you were on uh, episode 26.5, the king of point fives, And uh, yeah, well, this is going to be in the 50s. So we've That's come insane. For, first off, congrats to you guys on the iHeartRadio deal. Massive. Can, can, you, can you believe it? It's it's awesome, and and I wanted to congratulate you on on being on Penny's Going in Raw. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> that's that's huge for you, Doug. Massive. People won't stop talking about it. <laughs> you know, it, it it's funny because I think we've hinted at the iHeart deal. Well, what, actually, we're not shocked at the iHeart deal. We're shocked that we kept it a secret. 
uh i mean we probably posted it four different times like like someone commented like I, didn't i see this in february and i was like yeah, yeah yeah like you saw it in february you just you're just re-seeing it yeah uh i it took forever but you know yeah, and i'm not here. a good secret keeper man i'm really dude. bad yeah i know when i went we i meant you yeah um, yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, my, like i always say my mom always knows her mother's day gift within like uh a week and a half of mother's day being around so you know, I'll tell you this, if there's anything I've learned about being in wealth management for like 17, 18 years, all, all the biggest deals, all the really important ones that, that move the meter or were ch- media, wow, can't even talk, meter, or were changing, you know, uh, my life or anything like that, those big ones always took time. They always went 10 times slower than I would want them to be. And because they're big deals, you want them to move fast, but they never do. They never do. And you guys will just have more and more of this. So, you know, you got to be patient on that. And I'm glad Dan didn't ruin it for everyone. Okay. Well, I mean, we're, we'll just, we'll just hop right in, Doug. We will hop right in where you left off. Uh, Bitcoin, you know, you're, you, you have your story of you mined all this Bitcoin. Are, Are you like a billionaire now? How is that? Like what's, what's being a crypto billionaire? Like, um, it's not as glamorous as you think. People are asking you for your satoshis all the time. Um, no, I, billionaire. No, it, it's what a ride, guys. I mean, when we were talking, we must have we must have hit up the sixty five thousand. I'm trying to get the timeline. Yeah, we were we were. I mean, we were quickly climbing. I mean, we had even talked that um that there's a potential for a hundred. Like that's how strong Bitcoin was. Right, it yeah. was running. It was running, yeah. and now here we are in crypto winter. You know, um, but is it really? I mean, it's kind of kind of insane to go from the twenty thousand peak back in twenty seventeen of you know now we're resting around forty thousand. It's really struggling to break through that forty k resistance. Tried to do it a couple times. Um, again, I, I haven't touched it. I've made little additions along the way, some little nibbling here and there. But it's hard. It's hard to really add to add to the position that original position. Yeah, because it's so big, you can't. You, can, you know, there's just not enough free cash. Um, no, I mean, look, it's it's really goal oriented. Trying to. Uh, I don't know if this is our forever home. We got goals uh, along those lines, just saving up for that and and putting the kids through college and re- just waiting for a realtor to accept Bitcoin, right? That's right. No, no, I'm not. I'm not giving this. I'm not giving it away ever. It's just gonna stay right where it is. It's a crazy ride. I mean, and if you've been holding on since 2014, I, I don't really think any price action at this point is gonna make me. You know, I think it, any price action down is not gonna make me move. Um, only you know, only up. It, it'd get to a point where I'd I'd probably relinquish something. Yeah. Do you have a strategy like an exit plan, or is it just kind of like? Meh. Like if it, you know, if it hits like the hundred K mark, you know, I'll take half off. Is that kind of like the plan or is it just kind of, we'll save close. We, you know, my wife and I had to think about, you know, at what, at what price point would we, you know, want to sell maybe one or two Bitcoins um, and what we would uh, put that for. So we, we have a number in mind. If it hits, it's just an automatic sell. Um, it's not everything. And um, that, that would really kind of put us in a nice position for some of the things that we want to do. So there is a plan in place. Um, we, we, you know, we're not there. Um, and we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm still kind of waiting for, you know, the Bitcoin ETF to show up. I, I think I'm more focused on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in the context of my practice 
and how we're going to be able as a smaller RIA, you know, I mean, who would have thought $100 million in, in assets is small, but it's, dude, that's microscopic compared to, you know, wealth managers out there with multiple billions of dollars. So it's been it's been a challenge. We're, we're still looking for that way to uh, practically integrate, you know, doing this for our clients. Right now, it's just a, hey, let's educate them and show them, you know, how they can do this on their own and, and, and get their knowledge up. It's, it's frustrating not to be able to be like, great, you know, let's let's put this in the portfolio. Well, I do. I do. It's funny that you mentioned that because it was something that uh, we did want to touch on. But uh, our friends, Breathe Carolina, we love them. And we, we had had a conversation about their business. And I, I always think it's funny. So you, you touched on it. You know, I mean, 100 million is is a, is a lot, is a lot. But as you said, I mean, yeah, there's people that like, I mean, you take Soros, Simon. I mean, they closed their, they closed down their doors in the nineties. <laughs> I mean, imagine they would be like at the trillions AUM. So uh, if you, if you could, would you want to be bigger? Like, would you want to get into the bees or, or is it one of those things where like you, or, or, or tell me. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome question. One, one <laughs> Heather asked me all the time, like, where does the ambition lie? Where does it stop? Um, I, I right now don't think it scales itself up to a billion dollars. I think I could go double, triple, maybe quadruple, like half a billion dollars. Because what I then start to do is think about how many people it takes to get there, what kind of footprint I need, the resources, and most importantly, how much of my time is going to go into this. I got two daughters. I love going to all of their stuff. You know, any major CEO or anyone, you know, being the real deal boss here is making some big sacrifice to the time and things that they get to do in their life. And I don't know. There's something about the lifestyle practice. And to be fully honest, it's it's an internal conflict with me. You know, um, I've yet to hit the switch that says, you know what, we'll get as much daycare as possible. We'll, we'll fill in, you know, dad Doug here so he can go grow this business all the way. Um, I'm not willing to do that at the moment. And it's, you know, at the same time, as comfortable as this spot is, I also don't want to rest on my laurels, right? Like you don't want to get caught up in that, not at 36. So I could see uh, a couple advisor, like in the grand scheme of things, I could see a couple advisors, two staff per advisor, and maybe some other things here. I mean, that that's big. You know, right now it's a firm of three. What if it was 12? Like, gives me goosebumps to think about I'm going to be somewhat responsible for, for the lives of the professional lives of 11 people. Yeah. Well, you did just hire someone, right? And it and it wasn't us. You know, I I, I don't know where our resumes went, Dan. Oh, I, I shredded them immediately. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, you, you did just say something and I don't want to, you know, work for a boss I can't trust. You said you... You love going to all your daughter's events, so like under eight soccer games. Those you find joy in this. I find joy. So I'll tell you the story. You know, my older one a couple of years ago had her like first dance recital. We're talking a four-year-old's dance recital, so you know it's going to be real talent up on the stage. And I'm there, you know, being calm and cool. And sure enough, like, I, I vowed never to be that guy who's going to jump up on his seat and be like, that's my daughter. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> you see you see the one on the on the far left? That, that's, that's mine. That's, that's my girl. <laughs> that, that, that is 100% my daughter. And I just went nuts. And I'm like, okay, this is unavoidable. But yeah, I mean, there's two sides to it. You know, the soccer game, sure, you're, you're watching the kids run around and all. But I'm, I'm a full contact dad. You know, there's, there's no yeah. avoiding this.
I, I was just going to ask, um, are you still like being a predator to millennials in your, in your business strategy or have you moved on to like the Gen Zers? That's a great question. I think I think the new hire will will you know be able to go down to Gen Z and replicate a lot of the stuff that I've done and, and capture yeah, that market. Start a TikTok or something. Yeah, I don't even know if the TikTok is going to be the thing that does it. But you know, for me, getting into you know more geriatric millennials, like I don't I don't push the advisor for millennial thing as hard as I did in the beginning because. You know, that that was new. They're getting old. Yeah, they're facing yeah we're on thir- geriatric millennials, you know, are, are tired and chasing kids around and stuff like that. The the national kind of attention to the brand and what we were able to do with SEO and and all of that good stuff has is now paying off with like the pipeline opening up. And uh, don't have to kind of hit that millennial thing. The media will certainly come to me and say, hey, what's going on with, with your generation? But I feel like we're kind of done here. Like millennials, you know, on their on their way out, you know, Gen Z on their way in. In, and that's okay because we we kind of took our we took our stab at you know this generation and it's it's been good so um yeah it's it's going to be very very interesting to see that baton change hands here um I hope the new, I hope the new guy's name's Cliff Cliff has a great opportunity to to really make that his thing is he uh, is he studying for his uh, his licenses right now or is he yeah that 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 intro exam I believe he's taking it on Monday right the SEI yeah, the S I S I E. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have we didn't have that when I was getting licensed. That was brand new, like two years ago. Yeah, we went right. I went right into my seven, and then a sixty six, which was okay. the, which was the combination of a sixty five and a sixty three, and we're an R I A. So all all you need is your sixty five here. So he's yeah. got to do that intro exam, then sixty five, and then his C F P. So he's got he's got a few years of education to go. Yeah, he, and that's not easy education. That is, uh, I I saw those textbooks. I I don't even think I've read that many pages inside my education career for as long as that uh, CFP textbook is. Yeah, you got six modules to get through in a comprehensive test. Even that's changed since you know I I did it. You get to take that comprehensive in one day on a computer. I I went down to Pace University two days in a row to yeah. take take a written exam. But I'm I'm excited for them. There's definitely a lot to learn in there. Yeah. So, I mean, touching on your bit, I mean, going back to your business. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Dougie over here started uh, as a little Dougie inside the business, right? Do you, can you tell that story about how you started? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had, I had a real nice inside track. I was um, having way too much fun in college. And I think my dad was like, oh my God, what's going to happen to this kid? We got to get him some practical skills. And I came home the summer after my freshman year and there was a series seven manual on my bed. And he said, see if you can knock this out. You know, I hate to say like the rest is history. No, it was like 17 years between then and now. But one of the advantages that I had was getting to touch and do a lot of things in, in wealth management, being a financial advisor I don't think anyone would really do so I really leveraged that experience and early start to my advantage to get to get where I am today um it, it's you know it's crazy 18 36 and 18 years that's like almost half almost half my life yeah it, it, I mean so the biggest thing is that when my friends when my friends send me your tweets they're like is he serious when he's like tweeting like it, it's like but but the thing is that if you read your tweets I mean you know, you have your jokes, but then you also have your nuggets in there that, that you know, it, you're coming off, you know, in a joking way, but you're, you're serious. It, it, so, yeah. <laughs> like I knew I'd have to talk about this eventually. Yeah, it's like, damn it. Like, 
No, you know, I think lately, like lately, lately, it's, yeah. it's probably gone more down like the joking and, and humor road because I've just been so busy. And, and, you know, I think the audience is like where, you know, where's a, something I can laugh at. And I like putting those jokes. I, I just like comedy in general. I've always wanted to do like an open mic night stand up routine. Uh, I do, too. But that's so scary. So scary. <clears throat> oh, you better have, you know, but you, you got to do it. I'm, I'm that kind of guy that, that can probably take, you know, crickets in the crowd and, and learn a thing or two from it. I'm, a, I'm all right with that level of reje- rejection. I say that to you when, <laughs> in all honesty, I'm probably not. You'll be crying. But yeah, I mean, th- the jokes kind of work like this. I, I want, you know, if you're reading them and following along, they're definitely plugging into the current narrative or headlines or stories of the day. I'm trying my best to, you know, on one hand, laugh. On the other hand, have you think maybe a half a thought about what that topic is? Like if you didn't get the joke, maybe you'll go look it up and find out what I'm talking about. And therefore, you learn something that day. Um, maybe I'll give my own like opinion through humor. Maybe it's just a joke, man. Maybe it's just a fart joke. Like it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I used to do a lot better job like throwing in non jokes, like real financial, like, but now it's just Bracen Xavier and, and the Braden talking. Yeah. About Tristan, crisis. Braden, <laughs> Taylor, you know, I, I created, I created that template a year and a half ago. Everyone loves it. But yeah, I mean the Twitter thing. Yeah. My friend asked me the other day, are you going to get burnt out of this? I, 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 I feel like I'm built for it. Like I could keep going here. It's like part of your brand now. Yeah, it is your brand. I, I was worried at at first, like, is that, you know, am I just going to be a clown saying these things? But prospects, clients, people I meet, they like get the shtick. Like, I haven't really had to justify why I'm doing it. And there was not my favorite. One of my favorite responses was one of your tweets at uh, I think it was a weekend or a holiday. And you said, Bit, um, Bitcoin's gone down, but my stocks haven't moved, clearly meaning stocks are superior. And people were responding like, seriously, like the market's closed today, you doofus. And then someone would be like, it's clearly a joke. And he's like, in a suit and tie with a blue check mark. And I'm supposed to think this is is not for reals. That's the thing, man. You really get you really get to see what you know, who and what's out there, and kind of a little microcosm here. Um, look, some of the stuff is is baiting. Some of the stuff is is to, you know, hopefully have you, you know, not under like yesterday, man. When people don't, I actually get a little nervous sometimes. You know, I, I'm really not here to to hurt anyone or. or... I see you deleting tweets sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do it a lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, I, I view I view that like this. You know, if you're a comedian, right, and you're telling jokes and stand up and trying out material, um, and something bombs or it doesn't go well, you're never going to hear that joke ever, ever again. So, you know, in in that light, why why have like a terrible joke? You know, it's not coming from a mean place. It's let's see if this thing hits, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, I have I have my like per minute ratio. You know. <laughs> yeah, you you can tell you can tell how something's gonna do within maybe a couple minutes. I sent I sent you a banger tweet the other day. You got to post. You did, you did. <laughs> yeah, you gave me you gave me a good one. I morphed it and put it out there. I could totally see you two working off each other on like a on like a on a stand up comedy. I I would, yeah, I would go. I mean, I would go. It'd be uh, funny. Yeah. yeah. 
to us. It'd, it'd be funny to us. <laughs> yeah, or or I or me and your wife would just be the only ones laughing in the crowd. Like my wife damn, would not be cool. laughing at my joke. She'd be she'd be booing me. She'd be like, oh no, heckling. She'd be heckling me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's work. It's worked out. It's it's a nice it's a nice stick. It's really grown the audience. I'm I'm you know my whole goal was to have people laugh and take a break. Finance, you know, it's people get very serious about this. You know, there's there's not a light not a lot of lightheartedness involved in it. I think you know with with, with the crypto narratives and meme stunks and everyone's get you know now you tell a joke about Robin Hood and the AMC apes, they come out, they're still mad. Like they're really, really mad. And, you know, you get this little uh, contingency of people in this corner hamlet of of Twitter, of financial Twitter, the, the AMC group. And yo, they're like, screw Robin Hood, you know, and, and I'm just like, I'm just this is a this is a pure play joke, guys. And they're they're mad. They're very, very mad. And you could do that to a Bitcoin max maximalist. They'll get upset. You know, don't people hold the stocks they love as religion and humor and that sometimes don't mix. So you know, I, I think we could use like a refresh of like some of the stuff we're talking about. Like meme stocks are overplayed. Like Robin Hood's, le- you know, less exciting to tweet about now that it's public when- versus when it was, you know, pre-IPO. Yeah, because now if you talk shit, it's like some people are holding it, and then you piss them off. Yeah, you, you're not going to make everyone happy and you try and say something that, again, ha- hopefully has a little bit of wit to it, so you get it, but so a lot of times, there's a, a lot of people who, they're just not here for it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone I've ever offended through through a joke. I, I don't want anyone to lose money. I hope you crush it, but unfortunately, uh, not all of you will make money. Do, do you trade? Do you trade at all? Like, do you like just like like wake up like, some what days you and you're like... Here? Yeah, like, why do these guys want me on their their primarily trading podcast? Like, was your was your I just want your hair about, products. Was your yeah. weekend tweet about stocks and Bitcoin? You just actually had no idea the market was closed on the weekend. <laughs> that tweet was deliberately to say the market was closed on the weekend and crypto is open and it was doing poorly. I mean, you know, these things then just get repeated and and beaten to death. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. 
Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah. do I, but but um, Hugh asked if I trade. Um, yeah, like a little fun account, you know, on the side. I, 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 pick, I pick some things here and there, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even call it trading more like the opportunity portfolio where I'll take some real high conviction positions and I'll sit I'll sit on them like I'll, yeah. I'll, they got to be five, 10 year plays. So that's not even oh, trade. That's not wish. even trading. It's not even trading. So you're not what? you're not looking for VWAPs and EMAs, huh? <laughs> I'm I'm amazed by what you guys do and the systems you need to build and the discipline you need to have to do what you guys do on on a day in and day out. Like I follow you guys, I follow all your friends, all the legends, you know that you have on here in the trading world and I'm just like holy shit, like none of this makes sense. <laughs> what are they taught? What I, I can't even read a chart. Like there's a there's a curved line, there's eight colored lines, there's a candlestick so so why would why would anyone trust you to manage their wealth? I mean, I haven't seen you post a single picture of a Lamborghini, not one Gucci <laughs> belt. I haven't seen you at any Louis Vuitton stores. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, you're known for all the millennials trusting you or whatever. But how'd you how'd you get their trust if you haven't posted one Rari? Because there's many ways, many, many ways to grow your wealth and get to your goals. And I, I respect how you guys are doing it. And it's, it's, you know, tested. You can put down your track record if anyone's doubting what, what you do. I mean, throw up the PNL if there, if there are haters out there. Maybe not this month, but. <laughs> but, for, but for me and my clients, you know, it's, it's so the opposite of, of the environment that you're operating in here. It's about savings rates. It's about increasing income and leveraging skills and opportunities that come their way based in their careers. It's about being disciplined and knowing when to take opportunities, playing long games. Um, and it's not any better or any worse. You know, people can choose how it is they want, want to grow their wealth. Um, I say the core of what I really do is the financial planning piece where it, the investment part is just a subset just one particular area of what we deal with no one no one's going to you know get excited when i start mouthing off about estate planning strategies tax planning you know insurance planning and cash management like no one wants to hear that but at the end of the day that's what people are paying me bucks for Right. They're paying me money to iron all of these details out so they can make great decisions. Maybe it does lead to them taking 10 percent of their investable net worth and, and trading and learning a thing or two, making money, losing money, figuring out what they do and don't like. But, you know, needless to say, most of my clients, you know, one or two kids under the age of five running around, they're working 70, 80 hour a week jobs as, you know, white collar professionals, entrepreneurs, you know, grinders and, you know, trying. they don't have time to buy wish. They don't have time. So, you know, Dan, it's not even that they don't have time to create a risk adjusted portfolio of ETFs. <laughs> like you need to under you need to understand, like. 
time to look at a chart, dude. They don't have time to click rebalance. <laughs> And and that's why and people are like, oh, you can, you know, index yourself. Yeah, you can. I'll be the first person to say you can, you know, invest for free. Long term risk adjusted investing, Betterment, Wealthfront, Fidelity, Vanguard. You can do it for absolutely free. They don't have the time. They're going to pay, you know, up to one percent a year on their assets to not do it. Not because they're, they're the smart. They're smarter than me. Some of them are you know more successful than me and yet here we are you know doing this you know lift for them of investing their wealth the majority of their wealth in very disciplined non-sexy vanilla type stuff because their time is just worth so much money and they don't want to do it themselves. So do you just love like do you just love like digging into people's finances or was this more of I mean you know I've have had this conversation is this was more like you were just destined for this because of your father like what like do you just love this or is this just part of the end goal whatever that may be it's a really big question i i yeah. think i don't think anyone in the whole world you know you know when you were growing up right you knew the kid who's like i'm gonna be a fireman a policeman a teacher a few kids maybe like lawyer judge who did you know that was like, I'm going to be an investment banker. I'm going to be a financial advisor. Like, you know, it's like, what, what's wrong with that I can't guy? believe like your dad was just like, hey, let's see if you do this well. And now 18 years later, you're just doing it. Seems like you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> He's still testing them out. Yeah, yeah still, trying, still trying to see if this is what I love. No, I do love I do love this. And um, I got very, very fortunate that it, it tapped into like a number of skills that, that I'm particularly good at. And, and the biggest one just being where I get my energy from. And that's working with people. Like I never I want to be in a room crowded with people, you know, and, and just going around. That That's what excites me. And then to pair that with the ability to help individuals. Right. So, um, you know, my dad did have a good way of, of always phrasing what it is we do for people. It's having the mind of a capitalist and the heart of a social worker. Um, and, and that's always resonated with me because, he, you know, I make my money on helping people achieve their goals. Right. It's not just, man, you know, the, the investment piece always comes second to the planning that we do. And when you see your client close on a home and put their kids in it and get that new job because you've helped advise and put them in you know, a position to make great decisions, it's, it's a really massive reward. I'll never forget being invited to a client's house for, for dinner, a barbecue, and them looking me in, in my eye and saying, you know, my dad was over, their father was over there the other day and said, you know, you should thank your financial advisor for setting this all up for you. And they were like, yeah, we, we really do appreciate him. And, and to, you know, my wife is sitting next to me hearing this. Um, it's those moments that, you know, I, I, I don't know how many jobs are out there where you can get, you know, that kind of satisfaction and that kind of feedback in, in almost real time or see the results of what you do for people. Right. And that's why it's drifted so far away from transactional type stuff like sling. You know, this this is born out of the brokerage era. Right. Slinging stocks, mm -hmm. hot stock picks. You know, let me get you. Let me sell you some IBM nice and safe. Now let me sell you the penny stock. Right. And now that's gone. And you have to focus on relationships that go the distance here. So I, I stepped I stepped in it, guys, like, it, you know, and then what, what, what had really, I think, happened 
and I'm going long in the tooth on this one, what had happened is that a challenge had presented itself. I think I got, you know, when you start young, you, you had, I got to a point where I was like, how am I going to basically do this on my own, right? How, how am I going to build out this business? And a lot of people saying like, here's how you need to do it. You need to go find baby boomers and people with money. You know, um, that's the only way. Just follow in the footsteps of everyone behind you. And I, I just was like, no, that that is that's not the way. There, there's a different way. I was watching my my friends and and my wife, then girlfriend, really struggle out of 08 and 09. And I saw that the current model of wealth management was not aligning to what the needs were for my generation. And then it was like, okay, so how do we build a business around that? What, you know, and that was a challenge. And, and I'm sitting in business school at the same time and learning things that I could apply into doing this. And it was kind of like, let you know, I wasn't, what are you going to do? Take 10 plus years of all this work that you put into becoming this financial advisor um, and, and not challenge yourself to see if you, you can't build it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. What do you think? Because this is something that uh, I don't want to say I talk to myself about because I'd be weird and I'm not weird. Uh, yeah. Duh. But uh, okay, what do you think is the biggest financial mistake that any generation, if it's if you feel like it's like if you feel like boomers make different genera- uh, financial mistakes than you know millennials, but what do you think is like the biggest financial mistake that most people make? I, I think it's um, jumping into investments without laying the strong foundation that you need to a stay invested. Like if you're going to go invest, you should have a strategy. You should know what you're investing for. That can be very difficult when you don't um, master or get a good grip on the fundamentals, like knowing how money comes in and out of your life, right? So that's cash flow, making sure that you can withstand the volatility or risk that you plan on taking in your portfolio. Nobody, you know, wants to go through a 50, 60, percent drawdown, uh, which could be part you know, of their strategy. You might have to deal with that as part of their strategy, where people blow themselves up, especially inexperienced people, um, is with their own behavior and their own emotions. Um, that That's the biggest threat. And the, the best way to mitigate that risk of your own behaviors and your own brain backfiring or working against you is knowing that you got stability underneath your feet or you got dry powder backing you. Right. Or, you know, that what's happening here with your strategy isn't going to bleed into the things that are critically important in your life. And I think that's very hard, especially for younger people who, you know, have three responsibilities in, in life. You know, don't get fired, don't die and pay your bills like when when those when that's all that you got on the line and you can take more risks, um, these things just make it that much more difficult. So I think that's I think that's the number one thing. Right. And if you're really into financial education and literacy, um, you'll you'll really want to promote, you know, building that foundation. Um, It's going to serve you well um, throughout your entire life. And sometimes I think what a lot of people have a difficult time, you know, dealing with, and I I agree with this, is, you know, the sooner you can get investing, the sooner you can start compounding that growth, right? The the sooner you get in, uh, the better off you're going to be over a long period of time. And sometimes building foundations and creating liquidity for yourself and backstops, um, you know, it takes time to do that. 
And therein lies the rub, right? Am I really going to sacrifice three, four years of compounding returns to you know build the foundation? And I, I, I rather do the foundational piece. That doesn't mean there isn't room to invest at the same time. It's just if you're diving headfirst into into the investment piece and leaving behind foundational stuff, um, you're I think reducing the probability uh, that you can stay the course. I I kind of haven't. I, I totally thought it was uh, buying Starbucks was the biggest financial mistake. Was I? That's your... very. That would be very be very on brand for me. Um, but uh, that's you bring up a good point, Dan, because it's not you know as much as I joke around about you know you can't retire if you, if you buy a cup of coffee. I mean that's all that's all nonsense, and I hope people really appreciate that. Like there's no point in you know not having fun or or, or living a crappy lifestyle. So or or not crappy, but so uncomfortable of a lifestyle that you're really sucking the joy out of your life. Like if cups of coffee uh, is the reason you can't. I mean that that's really messed up. It's usually housing expense and transportation are your number one number two so if you're like first job balling out you know in the fancy apartment got the fancy car you know ahead of the earnings and the building that you've done mr porsche up here hey i'm, I'm moving in three weeks <laughs> And you're moving to Houston too. You're gonna get that sick pad, but you know, Dan, there's a, we can joke about you know you doing these things, but uh, I'm sure you would you know very easily be able to show me the pathway you went through to be able to have these nice things and live that level of comfort, right? It, it's just when. Um, you you get into those things before putting in the work or not understanding um, how much delayed gratification can really benefit you early on um, that I think, you know, people make mistakes there as well. But I actually actually think uh, not to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm Gary V or Graham Stephan preaching the fact that you like if you buy coffee from anywhere that's over 25 cents, like you'll get crucified. But you know, I I still use like fast food coupons. I'm a fast food addict. It's all I eat. And I still like Honey, the app, not sponsored, but amazing. I, it I is, It's I, an awesome app. Dude, I, I whenever COVID first started, they had this thing by if with any purchase at Burger King. I don't even like Burger King, but I'd be losing money not doing this deal. Uh, with any with any purchase, you get two free Happy Meals. So I was getting two toys or ice cream, should I prefer that, fries and or apples or onion rings, which their onion rings aren't bad, and two cheeseburgers or nuggets, all for a dollar, which I would just buy like, you know, eight nuggets or four, whatever. I was robbing them. Dude, you're feeding, you're feeding the entire high school, man. But I was just feeding me. That's the thing. <laughs> Look, I, I got to go with Dan on this. I'm a fast food junkie myself. Like... I've really curbed it just because it it, it it was having some. You're younger than me. You can burn. Yeah, you know, we're skinny guys. Look at us. We're we're you know we can burn. Yeah, we can burn it off real fast. We got that gift of that fast metabolism. It it eventually starts to you know slow down. You know, I'm just letting you know. Uh-oh. Hope not. No, no. You but you can you know a couple runs will burn it off. Um, th- this reminds me of a video. I there was a TikTok video of someone who was um, gaming the McDonald's menu like if you just bought you know like it was it was arbitrage on the nuggets 
like they got <laughs> yeah. they, they got the price they got the pricing where like if you just comboed up 20 pieces instead of like the 50 or the 10s yeah. or something like yeah. that i forget yeah. what the i forget what the math was but like you basically can get more nugs for free by or more nugs more cheaply by choosing a certain combination of things um yeah man like again back to back to that central point about what people what people do wrong i mean and coffee and uh, and these small things if you're in control of where your money goes if you have a really keen idea on the month to month what your cash flow looks like nobody nobody should be able to comment on how it is you spend your money one of the first things i tell any prospect in our consultation is i will not be the kind of financial advisor that tells you how to spend your money what i want to know is what are the goals when do you want to achieve that goal? How much is it going to cost? And of the goals that you had, which are the most important? Because we have to prioritize where the first and last dollar of available savings is going to go. This isn't hard math. This is just logical thinking things through and organizational type thinking. And once you do these very basic things and write them down and see them before you, all of a sudden you go from you know the void of not knowing what the heck you're doing with your finances to having some pretty good you know, uh, pretty good organizational uh, pieces around that. And that's, I think, the big difference between people who do very well when it comes to managing their money. I think some of those are the best investors out there because they're able to understand risk and their tolerance for that risk a lot better and sizing positions a lot better relative to their goals and their net worth and other assets that they have. So if you can kind of get that, that's what financial planning is, right? You get that big picture. You can see your financial life like Neo sees the matrix. I do personally, and this is, I do have an issue like, okay, uh, I was doing the math with somebody because the parking garage attendant, okay, we, we talk here and there, okay? And so we had this conversation talks to and they bring home about a hundred. Everywhere, by the way. <laughs> it's called you know, due diligence, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the maintenance guys downstairs? Guess who opened up a Roth IRA once I moved in? The John from maintenance. He's great. His son goes to Rutgers. It's great. It's a, uh, it's, it's uh, I, I hold financial education in, in the living room on uh, on Saturday mornings. Uh, but I will say though, because <clears throat> I, when I start to do the math, I do, I do. Uh, okay, part of where I think we really run into issues is, for instance, this person, hundred twenty dollars a shift. Let's just say their take home was a hundred. Ten dollars at Starbucks. Thirty dollars Uber Eats keeps the air conditioning on inside the car. Like I was like, dude, like you're you're making like $20. Like like when you when you minus all your expenses, your transportation, you know, even if it's only $6, you know, you add all that up and now you're at like $40, $50. What's yeah, your rent? Well, you know, like things like that. $12 an hour. <laughs> it's a different <clears throat> But story. my point is that how many people, okay, the average American salary is what? $55,000 a year. I mean, that's that's not that's not you know, I mean, that's what, $23 an hour? I mean, that's not super far off. So, I mean, even, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I see you, I see you like, uh, I see you getting ready, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you have to be careful here, right? And I, and I think yeah. in, in my... In, in my in my vast experience here, you know, painting with broad brushes sometimes really, you know, does us a disservice. Uh, there's a, yeah. a few things. I don't think you said anything really wrong there, but, you know, you're in Hoboken, right? 
I am. All right. So, you know, we're in an expensive part of the country. You know, there's yeah. a comment here on on wage growth and what it is and inflation and the co- and cost of living on a geographical basis. But if you if you put that if you put that all aside for a second, you, you know, people are going to be like, well, I, I can't make more money as a result of the conditions that I have, you know, whether whether it be their upbringing, their responsibilities, um, what they had access to, so on and so forth. And, and I think that's where the danger lies. But I'll, I'll validate your point, right? It, depending on how yeah. much you make, it, this is where – okay, so if you make less or money is tighter, it, it makes it only that much more critical to be very cognizant of how it is you're going about spending your money. And again, someone would say like, well, my hands are tied here. I can't go get another job. I can't do these things for very valid reasons. And I, you know, you kind of have to stop there and be like, my heart really goes out to that. If that's yeah. you know certainly the case, I, I, you know, is it a, you know, something that needs to be settled at the voting booth? Is it something you need, you know, on, on a more societal level to change in order for them to get ahead? Um, there, there's that road, which we got to be careful going down. And then there's the other road of just, how are you spending your money? Like, did you need to do yeah. the Uber Eats? Did you need to, you know, DoorDash four nights a week? So this is what I tell my clients, regardless of income. You know, as much as I tell them, I don't care how you spend your money. I care that you're getting towards your goals. What I'm really saying here is like the way, you know, I want you to identify what that lifestyle expense is. Right. I want you to understand, you know, what comfort is to you based on what it is you you're able to earn. Are we, you know, first and foremost, are we running a deficit? Are you taking on debt to support your lifestyle? If so, we got to fix that right away, (laughs) you know, if if possible. Um, And then the second is, are you, you know, just spending above and beyond? If you told me your goal was to buy a house in the next four years. I'd be like, okay, how much does that house cost? You'd be like $400,000. Can we put 10% down on that? Be aggressive. So 40, 40K, if it's 20% down, 80K. We got to save 40 to $80,000 over the next four years, right? And you're like, I'm going to do this. And we look at cash flow and we see, all right, like, let's just do that math real quick. 40K over four years, 48, we got to save $833 a month repetitive, 33 over and over again. We got to come up with 833. Number one, is that feasible? Like with what you make, can you literally save $833 after tax to make that happen? That's question number one. And if you can, is there any sacrifices from your lifestyle that needs to be made in order to get there? Let's say you can make that happen. I check in with you three months later, you should have somewhere around the neighborhood of $2,400 saved up, right? $2,500 saved up. Um, but you come and say, look, I only got 2000 bucks here. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to beat you up. What happened? Yeah, you know, uh, it could be something happened with the car. I had to replace something. All right, cool. I'm going to make these changes next month to catch up. Fantastic. Like that's the kind of thinking I like to see. Or how about this? No, we only have a thousand bucks when we should have 24. Well, what happens? We went on a vacation. Why'd you go on that vacation? We were burnt out. We needed to recharge. I figured things would go downhill. Fine. Are we going to then change behavior over the next quarter to make up for that? Yes. Okay. Or you know what? Maybe that was too aggressive of a goal. Instead of buying a home in four years, it really needs to be six. Now you're moving the goalpost, which may be okay. You can't keep moving the goalpost, but maybe in order to adapt to a a lifestyle that's more comfortable for you because that's what you need to, to do well, you make that change. Fine. That's acceptable too. You can move the goal or you can change the behavior. It's when people say to me, why am I not getting to my goal? Are you going to change your behavior? No. 
All right, if you're not, you know, are you gonna move the goal? Nah. All right, well, we got a problem here, you know? That's on you. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever dropped a client because of that exact thing? Or, or at all? Have you ever dropped a client, period? I have dropped a client. Not because, not because of that. Um very, very interesting thing to do. Very hard thing to do. Um, it, it really just comes out of personality fit. And it's not yeah. like, no, no one should be yelling at each other. It's if I recognize it's not going to be a good long term relationship. And this is very few and far between. I think the first thing you do is say, hey, can I find you someone I think would be an amazing advisor for you? Like, I appreciate our relationship, but I just feel like someone can really do a better job here and you'll like them. You know, a they're going to get the hint, you know, and just just leave anyways. But um, no, I haven't dropped anyone for for not listening. Um, and nobody nobody really wants to work in a re- no one wants to have a working relationship where they're not taking you know they're paying for something they're not taking i don't want someone to pay me just to not and then not take the advice it, it's i don't know it's not one time not i had me. a uh, a probation officer that dropped me and sent <laughs> me to another probation office is that impressive? i believe that i mean i i i thought could you I, imagine that conversation like you were just like <laughs> i and the thing is i just never I would imagine it's not because you were do. I, I would like to think it's not because you were doing anything wrong uh, related to probation. I would just like to think it was you. Like he just couldn't take <laughs> your interactions. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a woman. You just asked her a bunch of questions. No, no. I, I, I decided it'd be my interview. Basically, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now I hosted that podcast. I'll say that. Um, but, but no, I mean, I, I, sorry if this is, is just me being ignorant to what you do. Uh, but 
do you ever like <laughs> for your job you never know, telling people about how to buy houses do you ever say like damn the house market is busting right now you should sell your house <laughs> um i i i you yeah, listen i've told people no it's not not my favorite part of the job um telling people to sell their house usually doesn't come up i think there's retirees where i'm like hey you know, whatever your retirement plan was, you know, given given the real estate market, doesn't make sense to accelerate it or to sell the home and rent for a little bit before you retire. Um, you know, small small portion of the book is is the retirees or the parents of my younger clients. But I think w- one of the things you got to get good at in in my role is when a client a client called me up the other day. Uh, they love going to a certain beach town. And uh, they really wanted the beach house, and we were looking at everything. And I had to, I had to say no. I had to say no because no the market house. was crazy. And I thought, no beach house for you. <laughs> and I think you know, advisors or managers are afraid to necessarily, you know, sometimes in at least early on, afraid to say no. You know, um, and and you got to get good at that because you're ultimately, and you explain why. You know, and to Dan's point, you know. Do you want to carry this much more of an expense every month? Do you want to buy an asset at the tippy tippy top of the market here? And you walk them through it, and you try and show them that this might not be the best move for them. Um, and then sometimes you're just like, no, like don't don't do this. I, I don't want you to be offensive to anyone, but is there any type of client that is harder? Is just you're like, damn, this is going to be whether it be about to retire. Uh, you know, maybe an 18 year old Fintwit. that just doesn't want to Fintwit. live alone. Could you imagine dealing with Fintwit? Yeah, yeah. They say like, no, nah, I want two Lamborghinis by preferably Christmas. 90% so. of my <laughs> net worth into a penny stock. Yeah. Only one time did I have a lady like really put forth asinine goals. Like, <laughs> like I want to trip like the 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 ask was I want to triple my money over the next one to two years, and that's you know like I, I get it. it, it obviously, it can <laughs> it can be yeah I, I yeah with respect I I it can be done. I, I I'm not the guy to help you do that. It's just not you know what I do. You got you got this is where you guys step in the, into the play here. I mean, you could also lose it all, uh, Miss yeah, tell Lady. Them, tell them uh, close to expiration options. I mean, it was <laughs> I want to triple my money so I can retire in the next five years, and it's just like it, everything about what I'd recommend would be wildly inappropriate to do that, and I don't have the skill set yeah. to even, you know, start in on the risk taking that would need to take place. The probability you, you'll you'll come out successful here is is not very good, and I don't think you want you want to take on that kind of risk. But um, the type of clients that typically don't work out well um, are the ones that check their accounts and are, 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 you know, every day and call you up, you know, when when there's the most innocuous of movements in the market. And he was like, yeah, I'd call every day. What's going on here? Dude, Dougie, me and you'd be having breakfast every morning. Uh, you, you, don't think the Bollinger the band, you don't think the Bollinger Band on uh, this stock is, you don't think we should sell? You, you seriously wait so long? <laughs> 
Yeah. Again, the the like the compare and contrast and the way that you know we operate respectively. Um, if there's anything I learned it, when I moved to New York City in in 2008 and 2009, working in another practice while the sky was literally falling. You know, this is free fall recession, 50% drawdown on the S and P. Um, I spent a year just fielding phone calls from clients for for my senior advisor, um, and I could hear the fear. It was every day. Pick up the phone, and, yeah. you know, and and there were older clients. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was it was great training. I mean, you can't replace that kind of learning. But one of the big lessons I pulled away from, and why I chose to go after younger clientele, was. There's no way I could grow a business if I had to be on the phone like that every day. Um, number two, um, I felt that if I could train and do financial planning for people early in their lives and train them up, they'll never have to worry like those folks were necessarily worrying. And it's not a mark against the advisor I was working for. This was an unprecedented thing unfolding you know, in, in the economy. But um, I just took away from that like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to necessarily have to deal with clients like that. And they're wonderful people. But if you're calling me up, you know, twice a week about stuff related to the market rather than stuff related to decisions you need to make in your life, um, that's probably not going to be a good relationship long term. Hmm. Okay. Well, that, that's, a, that's a fair answer. I guess I, I don't want you as my financial advisor <laughs> because I just don't think our goals are aligned. Um, you know, I'm just thinking bigger, man. <laughs> Listen, Dan. Bold, bold of you to assume I would even have you as a client. Whoa! I would be the one you dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dude, Dougie, me and you, we would, we would have the most complex planning, um, just to do nothing. I mean, it would just be, we would be inside a big circle, you know, just. Oh, I'd be like, so, so, Hugh, what do you think of the planning? Did you execute on the recommendations (laughs) found in the plan? You'd be like, I don't know where the plan even is located. Yeah, be like, Doug, can you can you share that with me again? I'd be calling. I actually took uh, the. You're you're giving me life advice, so uh, I'm. I've been talking to this girl, right, and she's great, but. (laughs) (laughs) See, I, I actually would like that call. Um, I, I really would. I mean, and you have to understand so much of it. You got to, you know, I like when you said I'm, I'm thinking bigger. Um, that's not wrong, man. Like the conversation, like when you do the planning and you start putting people's financial lives together so they can cl- think clearly about their money, what, what eventually happens in these relationships is you get into the career side of things and career and helping them solve problems there. Because there's, look, it's it's a practice of 130 households all between the ages of like 26 and 42. It, there, there's, there's solution sets to problems that keep popping up in clients' lives. You can be like, oh yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith or the Johnsons or whoever, you know, they felt they, they dealt with this very same issue you're dealing with. This is how they solved that, you know, and I apologize to all your viewers like, what the hell is this guy talking about? The, these aren't these aren't stocks. But look, you know, th- this is this is what we're doing for people. Yeah. So what about what about the people who I mean, who you can't really I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that for the most part, you kind of outline, uh, you know, a, a budget and what exactly is going to be your inflow and outflow. Um, you know, I mean, I guess your outflow can be a little, uh, can be better budgeted, but your inflow for people like us, 
How do you kind of handle that and and how would someone like us handle it? Yeah, so I call that variability in income and I see it with uh, professions like yours. I see it with uh, primarily salespeople who have, you know, base salaries that are dwarfed by their commission or incentive income, right? And that makes it hard to plan around, you know, savings and goals when you could have a year that's $200,000 and a year that's $850,000. Right. So typically you you break that up into three scenarios. What I like to do is break it up into three scenarios. Show me uh, what do you expect that W-2 or 1099 to look like in, in a year where you're like, shit, if I do that again, I'm getting fired or I have to quit. Um, show me this was a good year and show me, you know, a banner year. And then you can map out you know, on a low, medium and high basis what that's going to look like. So a lot of this is just expectation setting. Right. And being able to show a few examples of what would happen if your expectations were on a bad year all the way up to an amazing year. Um, You do what you guys are doing long enough. You kind of know what your floor is and you kind of know what your ceiling is if you're being honest with yourself. Yeah, the ceiling, the ceiling got real fucked up after covid. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, now it's stocks only go up. Everyone thinks, you know, I'll just, you know. Compound a hundred percent returns, a thousand percent returns every year. Um, okay, there's something to be said about that. But what about inevitably the years where? And, and you guys operate a little differently here because you're going very specific with with your picks and how you invest. But you know, what about what what if you have a year where you're down two hundred thousand dollars? What is that? What is that really going to do for you guys in terms of the goals that you have for yourself? What even are the goals? That basement's mine. Come down. That- we yeah, got you. That, You're not far. If I have a losing year like that, that that basement's mine, Dougie. Yeah, all, uh, dude. You if know, I, child if care I is a, child care is I, always needed. If I if I have a down year, man, all the promises that people made. Hey, you know, come, I'll buy you lunch. I'm I made a list and I'm going down. I've got all those free lunches <laughs> marked. Right, right now the list is uh, right now the list is Hugh gets a week in the Bonaparte basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm soccer coach now, and and dance recital teacher uh, for a little bit. You know, Ruby's like, why is that smelly man down in the basement still? <laughs> he, he he said that uh, he said that um, you need to be riskier with your investments, Dad. <laughs> Tried to sell me wish. <laughs> All right, Doug. Well. Unlike you, we have shit to do. The market's still open for us. So, um, you know, we, we have we have we have loved chatting with you. And, um, you know, I, I know you only do these to get more Twitter followers. So make sure everyone goes and follows Bone Park on Twitter. Dan, Dan is never having me back. I have a feeling he's never allowing me back on this show again. Yeah, he actually yeah, just you. texted me like, dude, why? Why? Who is this again? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted uh, well, to I talk mean, about uh, Grace being... and Tristan and Brandon a little more on, on Twitter. I want to talk about Twitter jokes, and you're over here talking about, like, you know, how to set financial goals for yourself. Got the, the, only gonna, the jokes are only going to get better. So when you have me back on the show, we'll, we'll do a recap of, uh, you know, Doug's tweets and review. Well, I mean, Doug, can we, you know, I mean, I know that you're a big CNBC guy, Forbes guy, but, I mean, you know, I, I heard that there is a... Uh, one certain media outlet that uh, that you got recognized on the most. Which one's that? Which one could it be? Could it be uh, Penny's Going In Raw podcast? I, I mean, I'm not sure. That's just like the rumor around like the FinTwit Twitter. Uh, I mean, but if you have a story, listen. Do not do not <laughs> sleep 
on on PGIR. I came on this thing the first time. I I didn't I didn't have a clue really who you guys were. I, I noticed it was really kind of like Hugh that was was liking some tweets and replying, and it was it was uh you were still anonymous, right? You still have the the AVR. And I, I had no idea what to think about you, dude. And and all of a sudden, you were talking about Roth IRAs. Anyways, came on the show. Dude, I, after that, within a few weeks of doing that first episode, I got a call from my dad, who had a service guy over for the house. I don't know what they were fixing. And he's like, Bonaparte, that sounds right. Oh, yeah, I heard your son on, you know, my dad didn't even know what the podcast was. But yeah, he's like, he's like, what, what, what are you doing now, son? You're on going in what? <laughs> knows I do all of this stuff. He knows I do all this stuff. I had another guy from high school hit me up on like LinkedIn. He's like, we went to high school. I was your brother's year. I heard you on PGIR. That was two. Then I had a number of DMs that were like, are you taking on clients? You guys are responsible for bringing me business. So Dan, here's what you get. You're, you're going to get an all you can eat Burger King experience <laughs> next time you come to town. All right. So 12 bucks gets you 12 items. <laughs> and Hugh, Hugh, man, Hugh, I get you're going to get some fancy cocktails. Fancy, oh, dude, Doug, you don't want to mix off, man. My ranch water is. It looked good. I, I felt bad. I felt bad tweeting you on that one because <laughs> it, it it was a solid drink. It looked great. It 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 looked refreshing. But I felt like I had a flex on you, and we got to get you, you know, your cocktail game, you know, to the moon, man. Well, I mean, I was drinking Smirnoff like last year in college, so you know, I mean, I'm 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 still getting used yeah, to like he you know, just got upgraded from Jungle uh, Juice, <laughs> Jungle <laughs> Juice to Macallan 18 in a year. That's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty big increase. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm hanging out with people like you now. The 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 the, the big shots, you know. The yeah, you got to keep up with the Joneses. That's what we're trying to avoid yeah. here, guys. Can't <laughs> can't thank you enough. This podcast is legit. You know, I've been on a lot of a lot of uh, uh, podcasts, and I can tell you that you know after after doing an episode, usually get some people to reach out. I haven't seen anything quite like that. So it means you're doing something right. You really, really are. I mean, you're you're reaching people here, which is phenomenal. Hats off. Congrats again. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. And uh, don't don't ever drop any of that hair gel into your mixology. That's bad mix. <laughs> I need a cut. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Thanks. See you, bro. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. 
our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.